Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday night Equip and Disciple Services. At this time, we're going to get ready to receive our tithes and offerings. So ushers, if you could please prepare for that. And you know what's so amazing is that uh, there's so many things happening here at our church. And it's so great to just see how Jesus is changing the lives of his people. In fact, this week, Sunday, just a reminder, it is water baptism. And I think there's a, there's a lot of people that are getting baptized this Sunday. And so if you want to get baptized, be sure to stop by our info center. You can find out more about that. Or find one of the staff members and they can help you as well. But you know what's so amazing is that this Sunday, what I love about water, what, what I love about water baptism is when we all come together, the whole entire church, everybody cheering on those making the decision to publicly declare Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that happens because of you. When we as a church come together and we cheer on those making the decision to get baptized, we all play a part. And what I love about it is how we come together as like Ohana for Jesus, for that person. And you know, God is doing so many great things in the lives of his, of, in his, of his people because he's using you and I. He's, he's, he's allowing us to be a part of his plan. And when we give to our tithes and offerings, that's how we get to partner with him. You might be visiting us for the very first time, and if that's you, we ask that you just receive this service as a gift, that it would bless you. Maybe you're visiting us from another church, and we just want to continue to encourage you to give wherever you regularly attend service. But if New Hope Church is where you regularly attend service, would you know that as we give unto him, he's going to do something miraculous, wonderful, amazing in the lives of his people, not just here in Hilo, but all over the world. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray for our tithes and offerings tonight? Lord, we come before you right now, Lord. And Lord, we thank you so much that you're such a great God. And Lord, we, we actually come expecting, knowing that you're going to do great things. But also, Lord, we come to you wanting to be a part of your plan. And so, Lord, tonight, as we give you our tithes and offerings, Lord, we do so with a cheerful heart, knowing that you're going to take it and use it to bless people all over the world. That you're going to change the lives of, for eternity. And what a joy that is to be a part of your plan, to reach people far from you. I pray, Lord, that tonight for those who give, Lord, that you will let them know that what they do has eternal rewards. Because everything you do has a purpose and a plan so that people would come to know you and your amazing love for them. And so, Lord, we just thank you so much for being the amazing God that you are. The amazing love that you have for each and every person. And how you allow us to be a part of your plan to reach them. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We look forward to what you're going to do in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen. amen. Would you join us today as, as Pastor Marsha brings us the message? Thank you, Ben. Well, good evening and welcome. So, how many of you were here on Sunday when we heard A.J. Sobota speak? Right. So he talked about resting and finding a Sabbath. And I thought, that is a wonderful idea. I should try that. And I actually have been trying a little bit to find a day of rest, but I'm not real good at it. Um, I, I'm one of those people when I sit at my house and then I see things that need to get done, I, even if I'm supposed to be resting, then it bugs me. So, but this, sun, this Monday, I, I tried a little bit and I did some of the things that I like to do um, to find what fills me. And one of the things I did is I baked bread. Now, I love to bake bread. 
a lot. When my husband and I were first married, I used to do it the old-fashioned way. You know, you get the, uh, the flour and all that, and you knead it, and it was so much fun, but it was so time-consuming. So now I have a bread machine, and I do most of it in there, but I take it out at the last part, and I, I knead it. I get to still do that, and then put it in the bread pan, because if you use a bread machine, you know that the bread comes out really funny-shaped and hard to make sandwiches with. Now, something I learned about bread when I was making bread was that the yeast is alive. And so you have to take care of the yeast. You have to feed the yeast. All the potential in the bread is in the yeast. So you put sugar in the bread. Part of it's for flavor, but part of it is because the sugar feeds the yeast. And it helps it to grow and um, expand, and it, that's what makes your bread rise. But you don't want it to rise too much, so you put salt in. And you do that because it kind of puts boundaries and limits on the yeast, and it rises only so much. And then you mix the liquid. And did you know that if you put the liquid in and it's too hot, you kill the yeast? Then your bread doesn't rise. And then if it's too cold, the yeast rises very slowly. So the yeast is so important to the bread. You're like the whole, everything is with that yeast. And you need that. And the smell of bread, and it's baking in the oven. It smells so good, and you take it out, and you put the butter on it, and it's melting in, and it's so good. But if you don't get the yeast right, then your bread doesn't look good. And I think that our potential is kind of like that yeast. See, to make a good loaf of bread, you have to make sure that your yeast is happy. You have to provide the right kind of food and the right temperature and the right limits. And we need to recognize our potential. We need to tend to it. We need to tap into it. And we need to make use of it in order to be everything that God asks us to be. And if we don't recognize or tap into our potential, then our dreams will be just that, dreams. And they'll never amount to anything. Now, our potential starts off in us in seed form. We need to recognize that it's there. We need to tap into it for wisdom and energy and creativity to bring God's purpose to life. Because we're not going to just wake up tomorrow or the next day or the day after and boom, we're there. We need to grow it in order to reach the fullest potential that God places within us. And I love potential. When I read in the Bible and I get to the book of Jeremiah, I'm encouraged and challenged by these words that God spoke to him every time. Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before Jeremiah was even a dream in his mother's mind, God had already had plans and purposes for Jeremiah. The Apostle Paul would echo the same thought when he wrote to the church in Ephesus. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you know that the Greek word that Paul used for handiwork is poema? It's where we get the word poem. And it literally means to be the work of a creator. Now, think about that. Poema. It's like we're God's poem that he's writing and he's giving us to the world around us. Some of us are love poems. Some of us are epics 
Others are full of adventure, and some are just simple statements of truth. But each of us should be a poetic statement of the glory of God. Can you imagine what that would look like? Picture this. As we're being formed, God, our creator, already knowing our destiny, already knowing our calling, already knowing our gifts and our abilities. He already ordained our days. He's already ordered our steps, and he's prepared good works for us. And then he placed us in this world, in this place, in this time, to tell his story and to fulfill his purpose. He equipped every one of us with different gifts, abilities, and talents, and they're all to be used for his glory. It's our potential that brings all of that to its full fruition. Now, potential simply means capable of being or becoming. Now, I like to play word games. So I looked at that and I said, well, if potential is capable of being or becoming, then it means it's also incapable. If we don't tap into our potential, if we ignore it, if we don't use it, then it means we might not. We might not be. We might not become. We might not accomplish what God prepared for us to do, and because we leave our potential untapped and untouched, we leave God's dreams short. That scares me, and I hope it scares you too. Now, in his book, Dream Releasers, Pastor Wayne Cordero writes this. He says, The richest spot on the face of the earth cannot be found in the diamond mines of South Africa or the Inca gold caches of Ecuador. It is not in the oil fields of Saudi Arabia, nor in the uranium excavations of the Balkans. Neither is it in the mineral deposits of the Dead Sea. No. The richest plot of land on this planet is in your very own neighborhood. You might even have passed by it this morning. It's the cemetery. That's right. The graveyard is the wealthiest place in all of creation. Beneath those rectangular pieces of sod lie countless unsung melodies and unwritten poems. The grassy plots overflow with brilliant ideas that could have transformed entire communities, rehabilitated the lost, and borne hope to the weary. Our burial grounds reek with unattained successes and unrealized dreams. Sometimes, I walk through graveyards and speculate how many unfulfilled promises and untapped dreams lie dormant under my feet. I ponder the many lives that fell short of God's intended purpose. Millions of men and women have died with their aspirations yet unleashed, their dreams now forever trapped beneath the turf. And if I could mine the cemeteries in my neighborhood alone, I would be one of the richest men on the face of the earth. So tonight... We're going to discover three things that the enemy uses to stop our potential. Sending us to our graves with God's unwritten poems still within us. But right after that, we're going to learn two things that we must do to recognize and release our potential so that we fulfill the purposes of God that he's already placed within us. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 4. 
Now, before Jesus said a word, before he told a parable, before he called any followers, before he fed loads of people, before he raised the dead, healed the sick, or caused the deaf to hear, he was baptized. His cousin John baptized him in the Jordan River. And Matthew wrote that at that moment, heaven was opened, and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and rested on Jesus. And then a voice from heaven came out and said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now at this point, Jesus is brimming with potential. His calling and his assignment is all within him. And before Jesus even began his ministry, the enemy came in and tried to stop his potential. So we're going to read in Matthew um, chapter 4, 1 through 17. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. But Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So Matthew wrote that after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. You think? Some of us don't even want to go one meal without eating. Jesus went 40 days and 40 nights. I did the math. 120 meals. He didn't eat 120 meals, and the devil shows up. And the Bible says, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. See, the, te- the devil knew the potential that Jesus possessed to interfere with his kingdom. And before Jesus could step into his ministry, Satan came and tempts him to use his power for himself to meet his own needs. And that's the first place that our potential stops. Our potential is derailed when instead of relying on God, we use our power to meet our needs. I can tell you this, the devil doesn't know everything. But what he does know is that he wants to destroy our relationship with God. And he knows that Jesus came to restore that relationship. Jesus contrasted the two this way. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, Jesus knew his purpose. He knew what he came to accomplish. And when the devil tried to stop his potential, he stood firm. Satan tried to get Jesus to use his power to fulfill his own needs. But Jesus recognized that if he did that, 
that man would hinder the father's purpose and plan. And instead, he chose to stand firm in his calling. And instead of giving in to temptation and hindering his uh, potential, Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Satan is still using the same schemes today. He wants to stop us from ever realizing our full potential or using our gifts and talents for the kingdom of God. So he attempts to turn our focus inward. He turns it into our needs, our busyness, our schedule, our bills, or even what we think is our own inabilities. And then once he gets us looking inward, we're just a short step away from convincing ourselves that we cannot or should not act because we don't have enough time, we don't have the energy, we lack the creativity, or even the desire to do more than what we're already doing. Somehow, we believe that we need to put all our gifts, all our talents, all our abilities, all our time, and all our energy into meeting our own needs. Otherwise, they won't get met. We start missing church. Or we start saying no to serving or volunteering because we think we need to work more hours to make ends meet. We find ourselves saying, I don't have time. I'm too tired or too busy. Or I don't want to, whatever it is, because I do it all week, and when I come to work, I just want to be filled. See, the enemy doesn't care what reason we give as long as we leave our potential buried and unused. Now, we do need to be wise when we use our time, our energy, and our gifts. But we also need to recognize when we're letting our potential be derailed. Because our potential, when it's used correctly, places us firmly on a path to fulfilling God's purpose. Now, another area that we derail our potential is when we manipulate God's promises or his word to get our own way. Satan couldn't get Jesus to use his power for his own purpose, so he turned to trying to get Jesus to manipulate the promises of God for his very own advancement. It says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the mountain, of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. When the enemy challenged Jesus to throw himself off the temple, he was quoting Psalm 91. So if you have your Bible or your app, I'm going to ask you to turn there. Now, when you read all of Psalm 91, it speaks of God's care, his protection. But Satan took the Father's promise of protection and he attempted to twist it for his very own purpose. So let's read Psalm 91. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, 
nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Does that sound familiar? You shall tread along upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. And because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, isn't that diabolical? That the enemy would take a psalm of protection and turn it around to try to get Jesus to manipulate God's promise to accomplish his own goals. And that's not the first time that Satan used that. Go back to Genesis and read the account of Adam and Eve's sin. The enemy slithered up to Eve as she's standing in the midst of this beautiful garden that God had created. And then God placed Adam and Eve in this garden, and he says, you can eat of every tree, every plant in here except one. And she's looking at all this beauty and all this provision, and he slithers up and he says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? He manipulated God's words to accomplish his purpose. And we hear the similar types of things and questions and statements every day. The Bible's outdated. We can't possibly follow those rules. The commands in the Bible were for a different time. This is the 21st century. I'm sure if Jesus were here, he would say, what about love? Doesn't God love everyone? What about grace? Doesn't God give grace to everyone? See, anytime we allow the enemy or anyone to cast doubts on or manipulate God's word, we cut short our potential. That's what Adam and Eve did. They derailed their potential for a lie. Now, the enemy wasn't able to derail Jesus' potential by tempting him, nor was he successful at stopping Jesus' potential by manipulating God's promise, so he tried a different tactic. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. So the enemy showed Jesus the kingdoms of this world, and he offered Jesus a shortcut to achieve his purpose. But Jesus wasn't called to set up his kingdom in this world. He was bringing his Father's kingdom to this world. So our potential is derailed when we take shortcuts to fulfill God's promises. See, when God gives you a dream or a vision for your life, it's going to take time. It's going to take energy and prayer and patience and obedience to achieve it. 
Joseph waited 13 years between his dreams and becoming the second command in all of Egypt. David waited 15 years between being anointed king by Samuel and actually becoming the king of Judah. See, God can, and he often does, give us a picture of his purposes. But when he does, it's not our responsibility to force it or make it happen. That's what Abraham did. God promised him a son in his old age. And when his wife didn't see it happening, there's no baby to hold, no baby to love, no baby to bring up. They decided to help God along. And Abraham had a son named Ishmael with his wife's slave. But that's not who God wanted to bring his promise through. And 25 years after God's promise, Isaac was born. And God didn't need Abraham's shortcut. And if you read Abraham's story in Genesis, you'll see that this shortcut to accomplish God's purposes caused a whole lot of problem for Abraham and his family. We cannot make the mistake of neglecting today's assignment for tomorrow's calling. What I mean is this. Whenever, whatever it is that you're called to do right now in this season, do it to the best of your ability. Don't just bide your time while waiting for God's promise. Learn what you can. Build your character. Grow in wisdom. But don't take shortcuts. So we've uncovered three things that derail our potential. Number one, instead of relying on God, we use our power to meet our needs. We manipulate God's promises to get our way is number two. And number three, we take shortcuts to fulfill God's purpose. Now I'm going to give you two powerful things that you can do to energize, tap into, and use up all the potential that God has placed in you. Because your potential places you firmly on the path to God's purposes. And so the first thing is, and I cannot stress this enough, be in God's word every day. When Jesus was being tempted, every temptation that the devil threw at Jesus, Jesus countered with, it is written. I don't think there's anything more powerful to do battle with the enemy than to say, it is written. See, the enemy, he can try to manipulate God's word, but he cannot stand against it. And not only is Jesus the word, but he knew the word. And I don't know about you. I'm not Jesus. So I need to have God's word in me so that when I'm tempted to give up on my potential, I can quickly recognize the manipulation and the lies. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hiding God's word in your heart doesn't happen by accident. It happens by design. We have to prioritize and intentionally choose to sit down, open our Bible, and read what it says. In his book, Whisper, Mark Batterson wrote, Is it possible that what we perceive to be relational, emotional, and spiritual problems are actually hearing problems, ears that have been deafened to the voice of God? And it's that inability to hear his voice that causes us to lose our voice and lose our way. And when we're not purposefully opening up God's word, when we're not listening for what he wants to say, or how he wants to lead us, we lose our way and we stop our potential. Now here, we want you to reach your fullest potential. 
We want you to be confident of the call and the timing that God has for you. And you'll consistently hear us encouraging you, read your Bibles and do devotions. We use this bookmark to give us direction in reading. If you go through this bookmark from January through December, you'll, you'll read through the entire Bible. You'll get an Old Testament and New Testament reading each day. And then sometimes you get Proverbs and Psalms. What I like about it is that we're on the same page. And sometimes when I hear people talk and they say, hey, I was reading in my devotion, I know what they're saying because I'm reading the same thing. This keeps us all on the same page. So I'm encouraging you. We put it in your um, bulletins because I want to encourage you. If you're not doing it, start. You just look for the date, and then you read that day. And you listen for what God's saying, and you just write that one verse down. When Tom and I first started coming to New Hope over 30 years ago, Pastor Wayne and the pastors then encouraged everyone to read through the bookmark and do devotions every day. And for 30 years, that's what we've been doing. And I cannot tell you how many times having God's word in my heart has helped me to make decisions, has helped me struggle through really tough times, has helped me to know what to say, and has often helped me know when not to say. It's been invaluable. Now, I know that many of you like using the daily bread or some other devotional. That's a good start. But I want to be bold here and say it's the first step. It's a start. Because when I open the daily bread, it's really good. But this part here is the scripture. Right here. The rest of this is somebody else's writing what that scripture means to them. There's someone else's idea of what the scripture is saying to them at that moment. And you know what we call that? Devotions. It's someone else's devotions. And while someone else's devotions can encourage me and it can spark something in me, I cannot build my life on it. I cannot stake my potential with it, nor can I overcome the enemy with someone else's devotions. But we can do it with the Word of God. We defeat the enemy with God's Word. We find direction and hope in His Word. And we can protect and set a fire to our potential with the Word of God. So is this good? Yeah, it's good as a start. But get into the word of God. You want to do battle against the enemy? This, well, not this. That's a piece of paper. This will help you do it. Jesus promised that when, the, when we come into those times, we don't have to worry what we're going to say because the Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance all that he said to us. And you know how he speaks to us? Through his word. And if the Holy Spirit's going to bring something to my remembrance, there has to be something to remember. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's why it's important to read our Bibles daily. Now in your bulletins, we also gave you a piece of paper that explains soap. It explains journaling. And the reason I put that in there is because I, I think most of us should know it. If we don't, I want you to know it. Okay? It's a good way. It helps us to start journaling. It gives you instruction, how to write, how to keep it written down. And the reason I want to encourage you to write your journals down is you don't know how many times 
going back and looking at what you wrote and seeing the journey that God has taken you on, how that builds you up. Or when you're talking to someone else, you oh, I remember, I journaled on that not too long ago. God help me. Let me, let me show you what he wrote. So I want to encourage you this week, grab the bookmark. Find the day, the day's date on it. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring the word alive and speak to you through it. Read the scripture. Write one scripture down in a, book, in a journal or a notebook. And then use the journaling instructions to begin journaling. And I'm going to ask you, do this for several weeks. Now you'll notice how much more God's word is impacting your life. But we have to start somewhere. And of course, if you have any questions, you can ask me, you can ask any of the pastors, any of the staff, or if you have friends that are doing soap, ask them. But let me encourage you, start the habit of reading your Bible and start doing devotions. Because the key to recognizing, protecting, and tapping into, into your potential is knowing the Word of God. And then I want to challenge you in this last thing. Use your potential. I think one of the saddest phrases I ever hear is when someone says he or she has so much potential, they're just wasting it. That breaks my heart. No one should waste their potential. We need to use it, and we need to pour it out until there's nothing left. Because our potential, it sets us on a path to God's purpose and to fulfilling it. Now, I mentioned earlier that Joseph waited 13 years between his dream and becoming second in command of all of Egypt. Now, in those 13 years, he didn't grumble that God was taking too long. He didn't complain that life was unfair. He didn't manipulate God's promise or make compromises along the way. He did what he could do where he was. He served to the best of his ability, and he lived with the highest integrity. David waited 15 years before, between being anointed king and actually becoming king. He didn't rush out, run to Saul and says, move over, there's a new king in town. He didn't go around collecting followers. He didn't grumble about how he would do it different if he was in charge. He actually went back to tending sheep. He went to serve Saul only after being invited. He killed Goliath because the opportunity was there. And when the opportunity presented itself for him to rid himself of Saul, he refused to step outside of God's plan to do it. Often, God uses the time between when we first discover God's promise to when he carries it out. And he uses that time to build our character, to build wisdom in us, and to build our abilities. But we have to give him something to work with. We need to start using our potential. We need to follow him, and then we need to begin moving in the direction that he calls us. The author and humorist Irma Baumbach once said, when I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left. And I could say, I used everything you gave me. That's my prayer for you. That when we stand before God, say, ah, I got nothing left. I used it all. 
You can put away your notes and your Bibles. And I want to close um, continuing to read this chapter, um, paragraph from Pastor Wayne. And he continues on. I was reading about the graveyards. He says, will you add to the wealth of the graveyards? I wonder. What are you carrying inside of you right now? You contain ideas and dreams of what you can be for God. We all do. Hidden inside your heart, strapped tight to the starting blocks, is the class you're supposed to lead or the preschool you yearn to start. Locked within is the book you hope to write, but you hesitate for fear it will remain unread. Waiting in your dreams is the powerful ministry you are meant to pioneer but have never launched because you feel anxious about being a woman in a man's world. Those graveyards hold unpainted masterpieces and never penned literary classics. They hurled world-renowned Sunday school classes that never convened and dynamic ministries that never touched a soul. Too many in our families and churches die rich, with dreams clutched tightly to their stilled hearts. Too many go to the graves with their potentials tapped inside. And if we could harness the unused power from one graveyard alone, we could change the world. But of course we can't. We can only tap into the potential of the living. So long as breath remains in our lungs, untapped potential lies inside us waiting to be released. And the reason we are still alive is that we are carrying something inside us that this generation needs. That's why we're not yet in heaven. So my motto in life is die empty. I aim, aim to give the graveyard nothing but a vacant carcass of a used up life. I want the words on my tombstone to read empty. Nothing left. No more gas. That's my prayer for every one of us. That the potential that's in us, that when we wake up tomorrow, we start tapping into it. We come to the end of our lives. We stand before God. I used it all. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much. Thank you that before we were even born, you already had a plan and a purpose and a vision for our lives. And Lord, I ask today, that we would have the courage to tap into the potential that you've placed into us, that we'd have the wisdom to obey you, that we would leave nothing untouched, that we would be in your word so that we could hear your still, small voice as you call us and direct us, and that as we move out into this world, that we are a force to be reckoned with because our potential will not be untapped and untouched. So Lord, bless us this evening change our lives, change this community through us, 